Well, it's good to be here again and welcome everyone that's here for the message. I'm going to open up with a verse, and it's found in Mark chapter 9, verse 24. <clears throat> and the title of my message this morning is Doubt. Now, hopefully you don't, it's, it's kind of a downer topic, you might say, but I do promise to um, end with on a more positive note. But in Mark chapter 9, verse 24, there's a statement there that says uh, this, this father, boy's father said this. He says, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. And to give a little back story on this, this father, he's had a son that was possessed. And it caused a lot of problems growing up. To um, There was times he'd just, the demon that was in him would be cast, cast the boy into the fire or the water, try to destroy him. And they tried a lot of things to help. And so when Jesus showed up on the scene, Jesus says in verse 23, he says, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And, and right away the father said, of the child said, and he, he says he cried out with tears. And he says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And so we're going to focus kind of on that because we find ourselves in situations, maybe not as drastic as this, but we find ourselves in situations where we don't know what to believe. And I believe we can say the same thing that this father did. He said, Lord, I believe, but even in my, in my belief, help me to overcome my doubt or my unbelief. And we don't always understand everything that happens or what is going to happen, and that's okay. But I like to say, say that as we process information, we divide it. So maybe you hear a story, and this is on a more on a secular level. Um, you read a newspaper, and supposedly everything in the newspaper is true, but sometimes they're not. Or you read a book, and you think everything in the book is true, but unfortunately it's not. So as you process information, and maybe somebody just comes running up to you and tells you a story, now you've got to process it. Do I believe it, or do I accept it, or do I doubt it? This past week had a guy um, come to work there, and he pulled up outside on a bicycle, and he, there were, I had a bicycle, there was a flat tire, and he, he said that he would get me a, a tube because he wanted me to ride that, he wanted to see me ride that bike. And he started telling some pretty tall tales, and it became pretty evident that I decided right then and there, I divided it, that I really doubt what he says is true. It was something along the line, he was on Ragbri, and he had a brand new bicycle, wrecked the front wheel, and he made himself a rim while he was on the side of the road. Uh, at that point, I was like, uh, I, I choose to doubt that one. And I, I, wasn't, I was polite enough to, to not say that to him, but I was like, you know, as quick as he leaves, um, the better I can get on with my life. But you will find some things like that are pretty obvious that you can say, I doubt that. But I believe it's a, it's a step that we go through every day as we process information. We have to, we have to decide if we believe it or if we doubt it. So, um, and it, it is possible that this father had a lot of people throughout the years that came to him and says, try this. You know, I found this plant that really works to help your son. I don't know. And maybe he tried a lot of things. Maybe he was at his wit's end. I don't know what to do. So when he, heard his, when, he, when he heard Jesus come up, he says, if thou believe, all things are possible. That's very possible what he was waiting to hear his whole life. I finally found the solution. And he said, I believe. In John chapter 20, I want to turn to that real quick. John chapter 20, 
And when you hear the word of doubt, hear the word doubt, this might be the first person you thought of. And it's a person that is called Doubting Thomas. I want to read uh, verses 24 and 25 of John chapter 20. And this was after Jesus had rose from the dead. He had died and rose from the dead. And it says, But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto him, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. So he heard his own disciples tell him that they saw Jesus. And he comes around and says, Unless this happens, I will not believe. How do I process things in life? I have heard over the course of years things like, the banks are going to close on Monday, and then your dollars will be worth nothing. I didn't really believe it, but I decided I'm going to give the person the benefit of the doubt. Kept it stored in my memory. Monday came, Tuesday came, I guess to go to the bank. My dollar was still a dollar. And after hearing that several times, I started doubting things like that. And after so many times, you kind of get callous to this information. Those of you that are older than, I'm going to say, i got to do my math here. Um, I was 16. So anybody that is, let's say, 40 and older will probably remember this. But there was a book written called 88 Reasons Why Christ Will Come Back in 88. How many of you remember that? Okay. And you read the book, and it was very compelling. He had a good argument. And it affected a lot of people. Now, we're obviously on the north side of that book, so we can say that was a hoax. It was false, because we're still here in 2021. Christ did not come back yet. Um, and then some of you likely remember Y2K. There was lots of books written on that. Why the computers are all going to crash and all this, and they had some compelling arguments. Guess what? Here we are today. The computers still work the next day. And we hear stories of people that stocked up on wheat, uh, flour, guns, ammunition. They, I mean, anything. They had generators. Couldn't buy a generator, barely. They had all this stuff. They were ready for Y2K. And we joked that the next year you go garage selling and get really cheap, dry food. I don't know if that happened or not, but... Um, so the, some of the things like that are out there, and there, it happens almost all the time that somebody will tell you something like that. What do you do with it? You doubt it. Some people believe it. But after so many times like that, if somebody comes out of the book, you know, 22 reasons why Christ is going to come back in 22, I won't buy the book. If I do buy the book, I will read it with a skeptic mind, and I will point out things why it's false. Or you can just go to the Bible and say, no man knows the day or the hour. And that solves the problem. Don't read the book. But because of past experiences, I am now a skeptic of weird ideas. And I heard some again this year, and I'm not going to repeat them. But I'm also a kind of person that when I hear these ideas, I'm not going to just say, you're crazy, you're weird. I will process them, and, and, and the things I say, I will double-check them. 
but almost every time they're not, it's, it's so far off that it's, I don't know who believes these things. So you become a, a skeptic. Now, I would say that um, let's not translate that into our spiritual life because there's things in the Bible that are absolute and Satan is the master or the leader of doubt. So doubt will lead to unbelief. And we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 3. And there's the first example and probably the best example of what happens when you start entertaining the doubt that Satan brings to you. In Genesis chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 6. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. So the problem here is that God had specifically said to her and Adam, you can have anything you want, but of this one tree. And they just had one thing to not do, and they messed up. I mean, just one thing. What's wrong with listening to the word of God and taking it for what it is? And, and, and God had told him, don't eat of that true tree. But yet, Satan planted just a small seed of doubt. That's not really what God meant. And because of that doubt, it grew into disobedience, and that disobedience was sin. So Satan is the leader or the master of doubt. And it can lead to sin or even disregarding the scripture or belief. So be careful what is out there. Learn to discern. And I've often wondered, is the scripture, why are there so many arguments over the scripture? The scripture is true from Genesis to Revelations. And it's so absolute. And this morning we're singing songs, and I was looking at some of the notes. And as we're singing them, if it has four beats in a measure, that's the way you sing it. Now, every once in a while we mess up, but that's, you can't argue that. If it's four quarter notes in a beat, that's what you sing. What about math? Nine times three is what? 27. Now, if I start arguing with you, am I the fool or are you the fool? So your response would be is go back to school in first grade and relearn math. Because math is absolute. Nine times three is 27. It's always been. It was way back in 1980s when I went to school, and it still is that way today. Music is the same way it was back when I learned music as it is today. It doesn't change. The Bible is the same way. The Bible does not change. It's a fact. But see, when Satan starts injecting things, he starts injecting doubt. You start believing that doubt, and that doubt leads to sin, and it leads to your heart turning away from God. Here's an example of some people that have doubted in Scripture. Moses. God told him to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, and he says, I can't do it by myself. Job was the one after he lost his children, 
his house, he started questioning God. And there's chapter after chapter in Job that he's questioning the sovereignty of God. He's questioning the motive of God. Zechariah was a man, he was a priest in the temple. And in Luke chapter 1, I'm going to turn to that um, so I can read it word for word. But in, in Luke uh, chapter 1, um, Zechariah was a, was a person, a man, that him and his wife couldn't have children. I'm going to read in 18 through 20. And they had, they had um, as he served God in the temple... They had prayed that God would give them a child. And in verse 18, And Zechariah said unto the angel, because an angel appeared to him, and he said, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb, in other words, mute, and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. Now you can say, well, what was Zachariah supposed to do? I mean, if, I'm not going to pick anybody, but if there's a couple in this community that's 85 years old and, and walking around in walkers, and an angel comes to them and says, you're going to have a child, they'd look at each other and laugh. It's not possible. But is that what happened to Zechariah? So was he right in saying, I'm not going to have a child? But let's look back. <clears throat> um, I forgot which verse that was. But it says that um, I can't find that verse right now, but it, it, it says that the Lord has heard your prayer. So by that we know that Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth were praying for a child. So obviously they were praying without faith. Because if they're praying for a child and an angel comes and says, you're going to have a child, he should have said, well, great, my prayer is answered. But instead he had doubt. So he, he, it wasn't just like an angel just randomly showed up and said, you're going to have a child. It was something they were praying for. So that kind of gives a little bit of a, a twist to that. And how many times do we pray for something and, and when we were done praying for it, we just know in our heart it's not going to happen. Well, why did you pray for it in the first place? Is it just a tradition we go through, a ritual? That is, it's good Christian behavior to pray. But where's the faith? See, while we're praying, we have doubt. And I'm not saying that you should just randomly pray for things and have faith and then it'll come to pass. Because there is something with discerning the will of God and discerning what God wants for you. Classic humanism says that doubt, while uncomfortable, is absolutely essential for life. Rene Descartes says that if you would be a real seeker after truth, it is necessary that at least once in your life you doubt as far as possible all things. This is similar to what the founder of Buddhism said, doubt everything, find your own light. If we take their advice seriously, we would have to doubt what they said, which seems rather contrary. So now I want to focus a little bit on, on doubt and how we look at Scripture and um, how that works in our life. There's a song, I'm not going to sing the song for you, but it, and I think I know it from the first part of it, but it says, there are some things that I may not know, there are some places 
that I can't go. But I am sure of this one thing. My God is real. And that's where I'm losing my memory. But that is, there's one thing I'm sure. So you don't, you, there are some things you may not know. There are some things you don't know about the future. But the one thing you do know is that your God is real. I know that my God is real. And you can't change my mind. You can, you can bring all these weird stories. You can bring me all these weird books. I'll read them. But I will still know that my God is real. And I can discredit those weird, bizarre things that you bring my way. So I want to go back to John chapter 20. So Thomas said that he didn't believe his own fellow disciples that Jesus had rose from the dead. And that was in 24 and 25. Now in 26, and it says, After eight days, again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then he looked directly at Thomas, and he said, Reach thither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach thither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen me, and yet have believed. So Jesus doesn't necessarily criticize him, because he did acknowledge that he believed. But he said, blessed are those that have not seen me, and yet have believed. And that's where we fall in, because I have not personally seen Jesus. I've not personally been able to put my hand into his side like Thomas did. So we might say, well, we're at a disadvantage, but we have faith because of what we read. We have faith because we believe that 100% of the scriptures is true. So while the rest of the disciples believed and the people after him, Thomas said, I won't believe until I see him. And when he, see, when he saw him and actually physically saw the wounds and said, this has to be Jesus, then he believed. And Jesus' response is, blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. That's where we all fall into that category because none of us have seen God. And in going back to the story of the father that had the, the demon-possessed son, he said, Jesus said, everything is possible for one who believes. And immediately after the father explained that, um, he said, I do believe, help me overcome my doubt. And I'm paraphrasing that. Help me overcome my doubt. And one thing that is, is apparent in scripture is that God does require faith in our walk with him because we can't see God. We can't see the people that wrote the scriptures. So the things that you, that, the, the trust you have in God is not always a trust that says, I believe it because I see it. It's because of, of a belief, because of what you experience. I remember as a younger boy, um, and I don't remember exactly the setting, but I think I was outside on a night looking up at the stars. And you just sit there and look at the stars and you wonder, who made all those stars? And I was taught in Sunday school and by my parents and the church reading books, 
that there's a God and God is real. And I remember that one particular time thinking, what if there is no God? And you might have asked yourself the same question. Now that, that thought in my mind didn't last too long because then I started naming, well, I mean, who put that thought in my mind? Why, why am I thinking that there is no God? Then I start thinking that, well, I mean, you look at the stars, they didn't just happen. There's an order to the stars. Nature around you, things don't just grow. They didn't just get thrown in a tub and spin around. There wasn't just this big bang. That's impossible. Those are the things that are absurd that people believe. So there has to be a God. There has to be a powerful God. And sometimes you might experience those little, I call them seeds of doubt. And that's not necessarily bad, but it's what you do with that. And see, when Satan came to Eve and said that, um, you know, God doesn't really know what he's talking about because you can actually eat of this true and your eyes will be open. That Eve should have said, but God said this. This is what I believe. You see, two plus two still equals four. Music is still music. You can't change it because it's absolute. In the same way with the Bible and God's teaching is they're absolute. You can't change that. So if you ever had a time in your life where you wondered, does God really exist? Start naming off the things why God exists, why God is all-powerful, and that will dismiss your doubt. So God requires faith in our walk with him. And I want to turn to James chapter 1. I'll be reading verses 5 through 8. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his way. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. So here it says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God to give it to all men liberally. Now in the, um, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven, within the, driven with the wind and tossed. So a person that, is, that lacks wisdom, you can get wisdom, and you don't have to go to school. You can ask God, and God will give you that wisdom. So you can go to the school of God. But here, if, if you start doubting, then it says you are like a wave of the sea. You're blown about and you're tossed about the wind. And I've seen that sometimes where people, um, and this could go into products. So you buy this product, you put it in your engine, and your engine will last forever. Well, who wouldn't buy that? I mean, I would, but I don't believe it. So I don't put it in my engine. Because I've seen engines that have blown up, seized up, and it wasn't because of the oil. Maybe, maybe it was, but it wasn't because you put that stuff in, it's going to make it last forever. Or maybe it's something you, you eat this certain kind of food and you're going to live to be 110 years old. Well, sign me up. I'll, I'll buy it. But they still die early, before 110, it seems like. So I'm not going to buy it unless, I mean, I'm not going to buy into that. So there's all kinds of things that get thrown at you. And so a person that is like that, it's like they hear one thing and they buy it. They go over here and they hear another thing, they buy another thing. 
And they're just, they're all over the place. They're not stable. And I look at those people and I'm thinking, um, well, I'm not sure what I'm thinking. Maybe I shouldn't share what I'm thinking. <laughs> you just go by what you're thinking. But they're wishy-washy, right? I mean, you, they're not stable. And the same way a person that comes to, hears the word of God, well, I think I know what you're saying, but I don't really believe it. And so they're, they're jumping around all these different beliefs. And God is saying that that, that person is, is just like, th- there's no purpose. You're, you're in a boat that has no motor, has no sail. Wherever the, wherever the waves go, wherever the wind blows, that's where you're going to end up. God says, I want you to have a direction in your life. I want you to end up in heaven. So you have to know where you're, what you're doing, what, you're, what your path is like. But a person that is unstable, that has doubt, will not end up the place they want to go. Because it's whatever the winds of, whatever good salesman out there is who they listen to. And it's not always right. So doubt is a destroyer of life. In the process of life, you either did or will come to the point of deciding, do I follow God or not? Lots of doubts can come in, but God requires from each one of us a faith and a commitment. And we say something like this, I may not know everything about God or the future, but I fully embrace God and repent of all my sins. See, some people, like Thomas says, I'm not going to believe that until I see it. You may, I'm not going to sign up for the Christian faith. I'm not going to confess my sins until I know for sure what all is going to happen in my life. That's where faith has to come in. Because there's things that happen in your life now that 10 years ago you had no idea would happen. And you say, well, if I'd have known that was going to happen, I wouldn't have signed up to be a Christian. See, God always protects his people and if you, if you become a Christian and say, I don't know what's going to come, but I commit my life to you in faith, knowing that God will protect me. He will protect my spiritual life. That's what he requires of you. Last verse I want to read in Romans chapter 1, verse 17. Romans chapter 1, verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So as we look in this life, there are a lot of things you can doubt in society, but the word of God is not one of them. When God says something, we have to do it. And if you don't know, pray. Pray specifically for a problem or a question you have. And according to the Bible, if you ask in faith, God will reveal himself to you. Sometimes it's the next day, sometimes it's a week later, sometimes it's a couple years later. But God will not let you down. God bless each one of you.